I'm Dallas Gabriel, President at Willis. And I'm John Topic, Director of Marketing. Each episode will be joined by special guests and dive into material design trends and solutions. We'll discuss exciting design ideas, inspirational concepts, technical aspects, and so much more. So let's explore. Hey everyone, uh, welcome to today's podcast. Uh, super excited on two special guests we have today that are joining Dallas and I. Uh, Robert Petty, uh, Associate Principal at ZGF Architects. He's uh, in charge of the prototyping um, for the firm, as well as Robin Oglesby Fanghouse, who is an Associate Industrial Designer for the firm. Um, just to give you a little bit of highlight on who G ZGF is, uh, they're a firm based out of Portland, uh, Oregon, uh, with a diverse portfolio, including healthcare and research facilities. Um, it includes academic buildings that they design and help build, uh, mixed-use developments, and so on and so forth. So guys, welcome to our podcast today. Really excited to have a conversation with you all. Happy to be Thanks. here. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, let's let's start off and uh, give you guys an opportunity to tell us a little bit about uh, ZGF. What services you bring to you know property owners, developers, and general general contractors? Yeah, I can dive into that. ZGF is is very diverse. Um, our practice covers everything from architecture to interior architecture. Uh, we do urban planning and eco districts. Um, so anything from micro to macro scale. Um, the designers we have uh, love to focus on the, the whole project. So we, we get into the weeds with details on stuff and then we go out to, to real big scale. Um, everything we do has an ethos of being functional um, and, and responsible to the environment as well as creating wonderful places to be. Um, our roles here are kind of focused more on um, how we bring things to life physically. So we are, we're shop focused. Uh, there's kind of a maker ethos that we operate in, operate in uh, and there's a lot of uh, wonderful discovery that happens when you get hands-on with ideas. Yeah, one of the questions that I had, um, you know, you, you guys are very unique as you do have an in-house fabrication service. Can you tell us how this helps the design process? Robin, you want to take this? Yeah, I can jump on this a little. Um, I think what what makes the in-house fabrication unique and and where it can really help the design process is when we get involved um, early in some of the design process and we work with the architects and designers to solve a problem um, that they're coming up against. So you know, traditionally it seems like an architect provides um, a set of drawings as a final. Uh, deliverable and then the contractor takes that and builds the building or you know whatever the design is from there um, mm -hmm. but we work in the physical realm you know we work in the shop we're actually building things and when we get to partner with these with the designers we get to solve some of the problems with with them um, that they run up against you know traditionally you hand that off to the contractor and the contractor makes a lot of decisions um, that may or may not reflect what the designer's original thinking was. Um, and we've found that the, phys the actual act of physically making the things um, really crystallizes the design thinking. And by doing that, 
in conjunction with the designers, they get to be part of the design decisions that get made while you're building something. So yeah, um, it seems like it seems like having that um, you know in-house fabrication, hands-on portion of of the firm really would speed the project along post-design. Do you guys find that that really helps the general contractor um, and all the other subcontractors to really uh, make the project go even faster? I think it goes both faster and it goes uh, more how the designer is hoping it will go. I think Mm -hmm. one of the examples we give a lot of times is that the designers, you know, have, have an idea and it's complicated. It's something someone hasn't done before. And if you give that to a contractor or, or put it out for a bid, um, there's going to be some, some thinking. And if, if the contractor is not totally comfortable, they're going to add a lot of money to that bid. Right. That, and rightfully so, they're going to need to put some time in to figure it out. And maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. Um, so it gets VE'd out and no one ever gets to find out if that worked or not. And when we get to do it, we get to make a prototype. And when we hand that to the contractor, they say, oh, yeah, I see how that's done. Okay, no problem. Yeah, that's a really really great point. How does it also help, um, like, with client buy-in? Does it make that process easier, too? I'll I'll talk to that. It it definitely does. Um, Something that ZGF has done for decades is we go in to win a competition or a job and we bring a lot of collateral with us. And part to that is always a physical model or a physical prototype or something that can act as a catalyst for conversation where everybody gets to gather around this physical object. There's almost a ritual to it. Um, And at the end of the day, we're building physical manifestations on this planet, right? So all your renderings and all your drawings can help explain what the intent of the project is, but having an artifact in front of you uh, really makes it real. And uh, so even if it's just a model we're doing, we're using real materials, we're doing metal, we're doing glass, we're doing different types of woods. There's this real materiality to that. Um, And I think that the effort we put into making beautiful objects that are functional and that tell a story, even if they're just a prototype or a scale model, you know, magnifies all the way up to what the end product would be. And so that that can, from from a client facing perspective, you know, just tell them that we know what we're doing with material. We know what we're doing with with um, physical objects. Yeah, I can imagine that that is very helpful in the process, even just for the client to be able to understand what the intent is. And can you maybe just talk a little bit about how you've used your in-house fabrication shop um, to work with uh, Corian Solid Surface? Well, Corian is an interesting one because we've been specking this material in healthcare for years. We have it in our office as our countertops. And traditionally, it's a countertop type material. You find it in the kitchen. You find it on a, a work surface. Um, and I, I don't remember what really I, what the project was that really did this for us, but I think we had a signage opportunity to do kind of a donor wall. And we had a CNC mill that we bought and we were using it to do to topographical bases for models. So we said, well, what happens if we carve into Corian? We've seen this done before. Let's play around with that. And so we started carving Corian and we realized, my goodness, you can get really fine resolution uh, with text in Corian. And if you put a light behind it, it lights up and isn't that cool? And, uh, and then that kind of, that kind of went into like, well, what else can you do with it? What if, what if I borrow a toaster oven from my wife and throw a piece of Corian in there and melt it over a form? Oh, wow. Look at that. That's pretty interesting. 
And uh, Robin and I spent hours just kind of playing around with what you can do with the material without necessarily a, a, an end goal in mind, other than just raw experimentation. Um, and we really made some great discoveries, which which led to some of our first fabrication um, projects with with the solid surface. Well, that that's amazing. You know, I I, I think about the service that uh, and the value that the fabrication portion of of what you guys offer. Um, and I think back to, you know, here at Willis, we offer fabrication training. Um, but I know that Gary Ness, you know, on a daily basis is talking to architects and designers, trying to explain, you know, how, you know, the end piece of whatever was designed, how it's going to be built. And he sits in boardrooms with the architect and the fabricator who has chosen to build the product and, and help them kind of uh, build it properly so they can understand the vision. So, you guys have kind of jumped beyond that and just provided that service in house. So again, something that's really unique, and uh, I think maybe something that other architect firms might look into uh, to provide that service because I really do think it speeds up the process and probably saves money in the end, right? To your uh, to developers and contractors. Going back to what Robin touched upon earlier and what we were talking about, what the value is of doing this in-house is if you go, if you, if you sub it out, if you're going to get a sample back, it, you may get one shot. You know, so here's what we think is going to work. Here's a physical proof. And maybe we make one alteration. Whereas doing that in-house means you can run through dozens of different ideas. Uh, and one case in point to this, which is related to healthcare and cleanability, is if you're milling in, uh, milling in something into the corian that you want to backlight. Traditionally, you're front milling it so that there's a relief in the surface, and then it gets thin enough, and light comes through. But you end up with a real hard chime, you know, kind of 90 degree inside corners that can collect dirt and grime. And we've actually seen that on some of our projects, healthcare. It's very hard to clean. So something that we really got into is like, well, how do you chamfer those surfaces to a 45 or 60 degree angle? So that there's always a nice draft that you can get in there with a with a cleaning cleaning wipe and actually clean those inside um, surfaces, and and even beyond that, we discovered we could mill it on both sides so that you don't have to go as far in. You can still have something that's tactile that you can touch, but it's really being backlit from behind, and there's a bigger pocket behind it. And all that just happened because we spent several hours in front of our mill, just kind of iterating back and forth in real time. Yeah, fantastic. You know, talk, talk about playing with with the material. Uh, a few years ago, I think it was back in 2017, uh, we were approached by the Portland Winter Light Festival uh, to do some pro bono work. And and I think that's when we really, you know, on, on a closer level started connecting um, as a team. And uh, we decided to obviously donate some material and said, you know, hey, do what you want with it. Let's see what you guys come up with. Um, tell us a little bit about that project. I know that uh, the end uh, outcome of that project was wonderful. So I don't know if you guys want to touch on that a little bit. I, um, I could jump on the start of that. You know, I think Robert touched on this with uh, playing with the toaster oven. And um, like he said, that wasn't really for a project. There was actually a model, I think, that was a, was being proposed and maybe it okay. wanted to be made out of you know, some white material, futuristic material. And, um, and we were like, well, Corian is very cool, futuristic. Let's see what we can do with that. Um, and we made a couple of little pieces and then that model didn't happen. And that was right when you guys, I think, approached this about the Portland winter lights or when the Portland winter lights started coming up. 
Okay. And, and I think that was the, the key right there was like, oh, this there here's an opportunity. We can do something really cool with this. Um, and so we kept playing with the toaster oven and milling, like Robert said, you know, we have a CNC, so we are milling and lighting and, um, and then we started designing, you know, we're, we're also designers. And so we started designing this cool backlit installation. Um, and we were thinking, you know, Corian, we can heat it, we can bend it, we can twist it. Um, but we had a toaster oven at that point. Um, I think <laughs> one of the, one of the things that kind of sets our shop apart and what, you know, kind of goes back to this value add, we looked at it and we said, okay, well, there's, there's purpose built solid surface warming ovens. We don't quite have the budget for that, mm. uh, but we have a toaster oven. Well, you got a toaster oven. Are, oh, so let's <laughs> just explain to the listeners, are you, are you literally like a four bread toaster oven or maybe just a little bit bigger? No, this was literally off of Robert's countertop. Um, <laughs> hey, whatever. Took it into the shop, you know, I don't think, I think he had to buy a new one at the end for his wife. Well, sure. then what we did, we, we went to uh, Walmart or Home Depot. I think it was Walmart or Target and bought four of the biggest toaster ovens they had and uh, cut the backs out of them and bent some sheet metal and made a seven foot long toaster oven. Oh wow. my goodness. That's and pretty so, innovative. Yeah, it was kind of one of those, you know, well, what can we do? We want to build this project and this material is so neat. So then we were able to actually form up to seven foot long um, pieces of Corian and that, that turned into this Portland Winter Lights installation. Oh, that's incredible. So now have you guys, have you actually um, gotten your industrial thermoforming oven yet? Or are you still working with the uh, the modified toaster oven? You know, we had another project that, that came out of the Portland Winter Lights uh, project. You know, we did that project and we, we leveraged what we accomplished in that project to get another um, paying project. And that necessitated a real size oven. We needed wider than the toaster ovens could be. Um, so we do we do now have the real thing we still have the old uh, toaster oven set up also just yeah. you know, which just blows circuits when you turn it on because it draws quite a lot of water. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, think we need, I think we need a picture of that i think somehow yeah, we can get we can get a picture yeah. i'd love yeah, to go back to touch on the, uh, the, the beginning of the winter lights festival again too because you know we uh, zgf has been a patron of the arts in portland for a long time we've been around we're institutional and we have some of our senior members are on the board of the Winter Lights Festival. And so it kind of came in the door. It's like, hey, what can we do? And it wasn't just us. It was it was Willis. It was DuPont that got on board with us. And mm-hmm. there was a couple of technology firms. Um, Uncorked Studios uh, got on board and Dot Dot Dash, which is a local tech integrator um, who just knows how to bring things to life with technology. And then a local um, singer-songwriter, Megan McGeorge, um, was involved as well. And so there was a group of seven or eight very different people here uh, that got together, probably 30 stakeholders in, 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 in all for the team. Mm. And Orion was the vehicle to bring that all together because we were able to make something that was touchable. We had those pedestals that you could get your hand close to. We figured out how to do a sensor in there that would read the proximity of your hand before you even touch mm. the material. And then, you know, it was programmed to come to life with individually addressable um, LEDs. And then we had a speaker system throughout it uh, that was actually playing this original soundtrack by this musician. And that whole thing was choreographed against the backdrop of, of Portland. 
uh, in February when it hit 30 degrees and 35 mile per hour winds, <laughs> which yeah. is when this will happen. So this material was being buffeted by winds. It had ice buildup on it. Part of the installation collapsed at one point and we had to resurrect it. Yeah. And it was, uh, it was real trial, trial by fire for this material to go through. Um, but it, it really, it, it performed very well and it really came to life with light and came to life with music and came to light with, uh, touch and interaction. It, it wasn't, that's, uh, that's, yeah, that's yeah. really a great story. And I, I was wondering if maybe you could touch on how that experience sort of shaped the, the Metro pediatrics project that you all worked on. Yeah, so we we got involved with this local pediatric clinic, and they they loved the idea of just bringing life and fun, uh, something to set their clinics apart. And they didn't really have a specification for that, so we got we got to kind of make it up over time with them. And we've done I don't know, Robin, five or six clinics at this point for them, ranging in size. Yeah. And part of what they wanted to do was this storytelling where you come in and you see the scene and then you get to follow character actors from that scene to your room. So maybe you see a rabbit in the waiting room, you see the rabbit in the, the hallway, and then there's the rabbit again in your room. So depending on who you're seeing or where you're going, you can connect with that as a child. Um, and all this kind of accumulated with this, with this big um, installation we did for them. Uh, which was this big tree of life. And, and the whole trunk system and branch system was made out of corian and plywood together um, with all these backlit elements that were sequenced to light up and animated. So there's butterflies fluttering through the canopy. There's a squirrel running around the trunk of the tree. Um, and the whole thing was meant to be touchable and cleanable. Well, for our listeners, we will absolutely make sure to share photos on our social media of both the Portland Winter Light Festival project and the Metro Pediatrics pro project, because, I mean, really, they are both just absolutely incredible. Even the way that you just described the Metro Pediatrics project really kind of brings it to life in your mind. So being absolutely. able to see those photos, I mean, it is, it is incredible. It's, it's magical, really, for the children. It's, it's incredible. It's it's a great installation, and, and you're right, um, bringing some of those uh, creative ideas uh, to a space like that for for children and, and even parents, it just is a little more uplifting versus a sterile room. So uh, congratulations on that product, project. It was awesome. Yeah, and I know we could add a little to that. I think, Robin, maybe you could talk about, because this goes back to what we were talking about earlier, about doing some of this in-house, the proof, the validations that this can be done. We did that for this project, but then we worked with a vendor to actually do most of the fabrication. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think there were two. Yeah, there's there were. Um, th this is exactly you know what I was talking about with having a proof of concept and um, our ability you know to to take the material and mill it and backlight it and um, you know and Robert touched on this a little in the beginning too of to develop the. Um, the process of front mill and back mill so that we get a, a shallow relief with a cleanable edge, um, something that's soft to the touch. You know, all, a lot of this stuff, we did some under counter art um, in addition to the tree. It's all at kid level um, and it's meant to be climbed on and touched. And, you know, and that's the wonderful thing about Corian being durable and fixable. It's very, you know, it lends itself to this. Um, so we did a proof of concept where we made a very small section of every part that was going to go into the clinic. 
And then we worked with a local fabricator to actually do the production work. Uh, they have a bigger CNC than we have. They had more people to be able to you know, pull it off in time. Um, but what we were able to do was provide them physical samples along with digital files and a, you know, a spreadsheet breaking down which process for which you know, uh, section of carving. And, um, and we, you know, we still had to go back and forth with them for a couple samples to get the fidelity exactly how we wanted it. But they said multiple times, you know, we would have never taken this on if you guys hadn't shown us it was possible. There you go. And then we did the installation. So they did a lot of the fabrication. And then we actually, we partnered with them on the major installation. We had a couple of their people come help us um, sure. do the actual physical installation. Amazing. Amazing. Now, certainly an added value to, uh, like I'd mentioned to your uh, developers you work with and your uh, end users and contractors, um, certainly something that is very unique. I I don't remember hearing of any other architect firm. Dallas, you may be a little bit closer than me, but no, uh, no, I haven't either. This is very unique, um, and and really, John, I think you touched on it earlier. But you know, you would think that more and more um, firms would be looking to do something like this. Yeah, absolutely. Well, guys, um, we could probably talk for another hour, but I don't think our listeners would appreciate that. But maybe we'll talk to you guys in the near future and, and talk some more on on uh, newer projects you're working on and, and something cool with Corey and Solid Surface or other materials. Uh, love to have you guys back on again. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, this is great. Yeah, thanks so much um, for joining us today. And I really do want to thank our listeners. And we really hope that you uh, enjoyed today's podcast. Thank you so much for joining us for this conversation. For listeners who are unfamiliar with Willis, we are curators of premium design materials. Our portfolio includes Corian Solid Surface, Corian Quartz, Corian Endura, Lapitex Interstone, ARPA High Pressure Laminate, Fenix, and Kohler branded sinks and faucets. Find out more about who we are and how we can assist you in your next project, visit us at forwillis.com. Thank you.